2: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
0: Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, we're 194 episodes in, and I know I say it every now and then, but that music always puts a smile on my face. Firstly, as ever, thank you to our Patreon supporters without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast. And if you're new to the Ministry of Arts and like what you hear, then go over to our Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, click on the link tree drop down box and that'll direct you over to our Patreon page, where from as little as £3 a month, you can help support the podcast. And if you are new, man, have a look at our back catalogue. And I recommend not just going for the big names, you know, because you'll find out that this podcast is all about the artist and the journey that got them to where they are today, no matter what rung they are of the artistic ladder. Because on this podcast, we give as much time and energy to an artist that's been creating for under a year, as we would do to one that's like like today's guest, really. A world-renowned figure in their field. Because today, I'm going to take you to meet Rankin. Rankin was the co-founder of the magazine Dazed and Confused, and in its early days, when I was in prison, I contacted the magazine about an article they'd done on Tim Noble and Sue Webster, and not only did they reply, They gave me a couple of years' worth of free subscriptions. Pretty cool, right? And back in 2018, when I was creating my Face Value 3 exhibition at Jealous Gallery, Rankin donated a couple of prints, one of which was manipulated by the Connor Brothers, the other Nick Smith. And more recently, good friend of the podcast, Alison Lapper, MBE, started a campaign called The Drug of Art, and the first three artists to be the focus of that campaign was myself, Mark Quinn and Rankin. So I dropped him a line and asked him if he'd come on. So on a Tuesday morning a couple of weeks ago he cleared his diary of photographing A-listers to make room for us. So please come and join me as I spoke over Zoom to the man that is Rankin. Uh, This is actually one of the
1: quieter sort of like catch up it's like a catch up day you know yeah,
0: so yeah well i do have seven questions ranking i ask each artist and the first being <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's always strange when it's someone who's um who's got quite a high profile it's always strange to ask the first question but how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work oh wow <laughs> okay um
1: well i guess you i guess you'd call me like people call me a a polymath, which I never really know what what it means, but um, it's this idea that I, I kind of do multiple things. So although I'm probably best known from the 90s for taking photographs and starting a magazine, I essentially have done pretty much most things creatively to do with uh, art and marketing. So I work right across the board from from anything, from portrait of somebody to making a marketing campaign for a brand from sort of start to finish to um, making movies to making adverts just as a director to doing exhibitions, Um, and, um, I, I also have been making magazines pretty much my whole career. So, um, I like to think of myself as just being really nosy and inquisitive and using all of these different tools to help myself understand the world and myself, but, um, also just to just, you know, I was actually thinking about it in the car today. Like, you know, if the world wasn't to exist you know, for much longer because of climate change and all the crazy stuff, you know, has all the stuff I've done meant anything? That's
0: a question we can all ask, isn't it? (laughs)
1: um, But I think it probably has in the sense that um, I think that I've connected people and I've hopefully made people laugh and enjoy, you know, Um, some of my work so um, I think that most creatives do this to kind of be immortal
0: in some sort of way
1: yeah leave a legacy of sorts exactly but I think that actually there's just a really I'm not actually really weirdly I'm not very um, I'm not kind of a very kind of public person so I don't, I'm quite in my own personal life I'm very private so I don't have lots of millions of friends so but at work I'm incredibly um connecting and I want people to succeed and do well and I love meeting people and so it's, it's weird like my my work is essentially the opposite of what I do in my personal life but I love <laughs> the, I love interaction. I love that interaction yeah you know I love on my own I love my dogs you know my wife and, and my kid but Uh, in work I just love that connectivity that creativity gives you and I'm very privileged that I've been able to get away with it for so long and also to do lots of different things so that's probably the the best summary I've ever done ever
0: of what I do. Superb well I I become aware of you in the in the mid-90s when I discovered art got into art and um, I was writing to artists from prison Um, And they were sending me press packs about their work. And amongst one of them, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Tim Noble and Sue Webster. Oh, right, yeah. Um, And it was uh, an article that was in Dazed and Confused. Having a a hunger or a thirst for uh, knowledge on the outside of the wall, you know, the the arts that was going on the other side of the wall, I wrote to Dazed and Confused. And I don't know if you ever got to see the letter that I sent, But in return, I had a free subscription from Mazed and Confused for a couple of years. And it was so appreciated. It was oh so appreciated. Um, Nice.
1: Well, because I always think that I didn't really get into drugs because of art, you know, so creativity. So you, sounds like you found yourself a way out of it with art and creativity. But I I remember somebody writing from prison and I remember us giving them a the subscription. So I do have that memory. Good. And and um, you know, I'm glad that we did.
0: <laughs> Dazed and Confused was a very arty mag, yeah. you know. But it was written in a very different way to what an art catalogue was. It was easier yeah. for me to understand. So it was Yeah,
1: also I think we just weren't pretentious. I mean, it's funny, Definitely. I was actually I was actually out with um Jefferson who's the co-founder with me l- last night and, and we were talking about is w- this funny documentaries come up where we both are in it and we sound like we're trying to be East End gangsters. <laughs> and it's really and it's really funny because it's it's what's funny about it is I'm a, I'm a mimic so if I if I start talking to people I mimic them yeah. a lot because I moved around a lot as a kid and um but also we were really taking the mickey and um, and I don't think anyone realised we were doing it, you know, so there was a kind of a knowingness. But the one thing is, is that we were both very, very much about art for all yeah. and the democratisation of art and the fact that you didn't have to be, you know, you didn't have to be an intellectual or to have gone to university to be somebody that understood art because a lot of what the YBAs were about, from my perspective, was very accessible uh, yeah. conceptual work. And that that's the thing that a lot of I think people missed about the YBAs is a lot of it was very, very, very much about intellectual and emotional uh, combination uh, work where you felt something. You know, Sarah Lucas definitely, I mean, you know, I think all of them had that, you know, you didn't you didn't have to have really gone to art school to understand it, yeah. which is what we loved about it. And that's why we came at it from that side whereas Matthew slot over at freeze or Tom Giddley at freeze they were very much about the kind of intellectualization of it which yeah I never really understood because I was like isn't art for you know humanity or to change people's yeah. feelings or excite them anyway so yeah so I'm really glad that that's what you got out of it because that's definitely what we were
0: trying to do when you started Dazed and Confused it was a very different type of magazine to what I've seen before. It wasn't a yeah. fashion magazine. It wasn't an art magazine. It was a sort of an all-rounder, you know? Yeah, it was, it
1: was kind of, it was kind of like um, just an, what, uh, what our interests were. So we were always very much about um, almost kind of mixing mediums because we really were like, so if we did fashion, we would try and make it conceptual and if we did, you know, writing, we would, you know, we would try and come up with ways of of making it more interesting or unusual or uh, accessible or funny or yeah. so so and I think what's really funny is that then we kind of got ridiculed for being quite pretentious, which is the opposite of what we were we would we were trying to do, because we were trying to be unpretentious, but we were very influenced by Malcolm McLaren's. DIY attitude yeah, to punk, yeah. very influenced by him, and we were very influenced by Andy Warhol's interview and the kind of whole pop art movement, and then the situations movement. And so there was, you know, we had our knowledge, but we didn't wear it on our sleeves. Yeah, you see what I mean, and then and then I think, you know, we really really loved like things like I remember Jefferson found a um, an interview with someone that had died. And um, the the journalists had gone to like a, um, a one of those people that can speak to people that are dead like a uh, you can go in on the, in, into stores in America and speak to a clairvoyant or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah and um yeah. you know stuff like that. And we were like, oh, that's just so funny. So it was almost taking all those creative mediums and and playing with them and having fun with them and and I think that's what made it different. And and also we just came. We'd never worked in magazines, so we we came out of a recession, a late eighties recession, into this business, and we we looked at it and we both sort of said to each other, "We're never gonna. It's going to take us years to break into this this kind of group of of kind of elite elite yeah, kind yeah. of magazine people, and we're outsiders, and we've we've done some college magazines, and we just thought, let's just do ourselves. You know what can what can go wrong and the other thing is that we never thought it would last longer than a few months so what's crazy is you know 30 odd years later <laughs> it's, still, it's
0: still going well on. that's the hard thing when you're trying to create something new yeah. is getting past the gatekeepers yeah tradition. yeah exactly and exactly, if, exactly. if you're sort of doing something new sometimes you can sort of hop over the fence if you like can't you you know you can become part of the establishment <laughs> i mean we
1: have we have essentially become unfortunately part of it but but i think what i love about it and i really still genuinely think this is extraordinary about what we did is it's still got that ethos even today even though it's a kind of you know a business and it it does well it has that at the heart of it and i think that's a very unique place to be so although i think we became part of the establishment um, in 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 our in us in our own work and yeah. what who we were, we still maintained this kind of anti-establishment yeah, of magazine, and we and that was the whole premise of it at the beginning. And, and you know we did we actually made a very conscious decision to stop working on it. Like I stopped working on it, you know, full time when I was about sort of thirty eight. And I just said I'm done now. I've, I've got to move on. <laughs> yeah. And I still did a bit, you know, still, still did a few shoots for them. But but um, and Jefferson, you know, handed over the editorship quite early. I think he was, I think he was hitting sort of thirty one, you know, when he when he moved on to 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 another magazine. So really? we we met and we made we both had made a pact with each other to do that. Yeah. Um, so because we really felt that. To make a magazine that is about the kind of people in the world that are that are feeling ostracized or or, or misplaced or they're they're on the kind of you know they they they're in, they're in that kind of anti-establishment stage of their life. Perfect. You've got to be young. You yeah. know, most of those people are young. Of course, we've still got a bit of it. I'm sure you've got a bit of it because I think anybody that's in, art has that contrarian. Uh, single-mindedness and questioning everything but but you know to be able to really be at the heart of who those um people reading at that audience are you've got to be at the heart of it so I'm very proud of it but I I don't feel um like I even now I look at it and I don't understand it these days but yeah no I'm very (laughs) I'm very I'm very proud of it I'm very proud of
0: it um, did you have um, creativity in home growing up ranking No, none at all. No, I had no, this is the weird thing about
1: myself and Jefferson, we had, you know, I think Jefferson had a cousin who was a writer, um, but we came from very um, um, uncreative families. Um, And I think that in a sense, when when I have kind of looked back at it and have considered it, I do think it was an advantage um, although at the time it didn't feel like it. I think that we 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 kind of came at everything with a blank canvas um, of um, attitude. So I taught myself so much about photography myself. I I always talk about going to the library and starting at A and just going through to Z, and that was yeah, you know that was how I learned. I didn't I didn't have anybody telling me what was good and what was bad. So my, I formed my own opinions about a lot of stuff and I still think that that um that initial um approach to work is what it's still within me to judge things from my from my own perspective and and, and I think that's a very strong um creative position to come from because you've it's very hard once you have really trusted your own opinion, it's very hard for someone to tell you something's good yeah, when you, th- when you think it's bad. Yeah. So, which is why I'm, a, I'm, I'm very, I'm probably the most of, I was probably the most opinionated of the group um, at the beginning when we started. And even now, you know, like I met, as I said, Jefferson last night, um, we, I'm still the most opinionated <laughs> Um, and frustrating um to everybody <laughs> because I just can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I wear my heart on my sleeve yeah, very much. And, and I can't, when something's, I don't think, when I don't think something's good or I think somebody's been derivative or I think, you know, there's no thought that's gone into something, I can't help but, I've probably mellowed in my approach to the way I say it, but yeah, it's used to say it was shit, but, but, um, yeah, so, so neither of us really had, especially me, you know, especially um, my, my background, there was no
0: art at all. So from a lad with no art in, the back, in his background, then discover photography, albeit self-taught. Yeah. When was it you decided that you wanted to be a photographer? Uh, it was,
1: it was t- when I was 20. So it was between um, me doing my... Um, spring uh, course in accountancy and my summer course during the Easter holidays I um, went back I I basically was put into halls of residence when um, I went to do accountancy with loads of art students in Brighton Poly and I was um, with them pretty much every day during term and hanging out with them, and they just kept questioning me and asking me why are you why are you doing this. You obviously are so interested in pop culture. You're interested in fashion. You, you know you're inquisitive, and um, that kind of that kind of rallied me to to go back to my parents' house in in Hartford, and St. Albans, and kind of get in touch with my mate who had a camera. And um I picked up that camera and the first day I went out and took photographs with that camera with film. I was, it was like a light bulb. It was like Where a, have you been in my life? Yeah. Yeah. And it was literally like, that's it. I found it. I'm there. It's it. And 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 it took me about probably, I mean, it was pretty much instant, but it took me a, a week to decide I wasn't gonna um go back Brilliant. to do accountancy and then i had to tell my dad and all that sort of stuff which was really hard but but you know my parents did this amazing thing with me which is they they because i'm originally from glasgow so we we've got this thing this kind of like having an opinion is really really encouraged yeah um in glasgow so you know everyone's respected on a kind of even very very kind of even level and that's my memory of it anyway my parents really encouraged me to follow what my passion was what my my um gut feeling was um so they if they hadn't given me that I would never have been able to have the guts to do it but um they did and I did and then I ended up you know basically just because photography was really expensive then so I had to go and get a job as a cleaner and Eventually, I got a, a job as a a, por- a porter in hospital, and I just taught myself photography for a good sort of really a bit about a year and a bit, and then then I got to do a BTEC and brilliant. you know did did it traditionally but more traditionally. But but in that year and a bit, I really read everything I could on it, and I was it was it was kind of brilliant because as I said, I just. I was a blank canvas, so I I, I completely filled up notebooks and Brilliant. you know got 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 the got the bug not just for taking pictures, but for what pictures meant and the history of photography and the stuff that unfortunately a lot of photographers now, photography, young photographers, they don't seem to have that same interest in it because I think maybe photography is a bit too accessible; it's too easy to do so. Yeah um but um which is just a different approach but 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 then it was like i was obsessive and i when i get i'm one of these people when i get into something i really like to know everything about it Yeah, and I'm a big, oh yeah. yeah i think a lot a lot of artists and creatives are so. well
0: you said that about um the light bulb moment when you got into photography i was the same the day that i read that um the sensations catalog and yeah. i changed from wanting to be or heading towards being a traditional artist to wanting to be a conceptual artist. And it was that much of a a quick change that I often refer to myself as a born-again artist because it was (laughs) that sort of glow coming through the prison window. Yeah, that's good. And I literally went into my prison cell with one ambition and walked out of it the next morning with another. It can easily blindside you. Yeah. I did have a, a quick look at the people that you've taken portraits of in the past. And yeah. it, it was pointless even um, making a making a list because each one was as as sort of big in stature as as the next. <laughs> so what piece of work you've done has got the strongest emotional connection do you think? That's a very interesting question. I think uh
1: I think most people ask me what what is the most important or what um you know what sort of kickstart your career or but, what's the emotional connection? is a much, much more complicated question. and I think that people these days they want these kind of sort of sort of two sentence answers, which is so hard, as you know, um, sure to do when you're talking about creativity because it's so it's so all consuming. I mean, like I forget shoots I've done. And rediscover them, and you know whether I'm looking um, through old books or magazines, or I'm looking on Instagram, and suddenly one of my pictures comes up, and I'm like, "Wow, that!" Yeah, brings back that. to the surface. Yeah, you know, and you're suddenly going, "Wow, that picture is great!" You know, and there's that's my favourite moment is when I see a picture that I haven't maybe seen for a while, and and I see it. Like I saw one of Olivia Coleman yesterday. And I was like, shit, that's a good picture.
0: <laughs> Even if you I know? say so myself.
1: Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. because, because, because what happens, right, and I think a lot of people, what a lot of people don't realise is that I've always perpetuated this idea of my work having a life of its own. And it's very important to me. People, people assume that I do PR and press for my sort of personal yeah, uh, fulfillment and and ego to ego ego, and of course there's a tiny bit of that, and I, and especially when I first started to do well, there was a bit of, a bit more of that. But but actually, really, I do the I do the work, I do the PR work because I want the work to, to to get out there and be seen, and to have a life of its own. And photography, a lot like art, is is a very personal experience. You know, film tv music it's a much more communal yeah. you know it's more about a group experience you know whereas photography and art is very personal you, you 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 look at it individually normally and you feel something individually about it and of course you can have that with music but you know you go and see big gigs you go and see, you know in groups you watch movies with people in cinemas, you watch TV with your friends at home, and then you talk about it in that way. Whereas art and photography, you don't really talk about it in the same way. It's not. It's it's a much more personal thing. Yeah. And I think that you you know my interest is always in other people having those relationships with my photographs that I don't have, and I don't even need to know about them. I just I'm excited that they happen. Yeah. And so I've always wanted to promote my photographs. To have those, and I've always felt like there are bits of me going out into the world. You know, my view on the world, my perspective on a person, how I feel about emotionally about that person, how I, you know, what what my two hours I spent with them, kind of came to, is in that work, and and I love that. I love that so much. So when I see it again, I'm almost seeing it as if I didn't take it. Yeah, you're seeing it as a
0: viewer rather than the artist took it. Yeah, it's amazing when that happens. Anyone, any artist that is producing a portrait of a person is trying to create that little bit of personality between the viewer,
1: absolutely, and and the sitter. Between the
0: viewer and you, you've got it. It's not between you and between the
1: view. You're not irrelevant. You're like a. I feel like you're a, a vessel. Yeah, with which you communicate but that, but a lot of photographers think of themselves as the most relevant part yeah. and I don't I see myself as the communicator I'm definitely the caption captain
0: yeah. of
1: that yeah. vessel I'm really the chief you know but I and I, I definitely kind of can can either seduce it or you know pull it out of someone or make them laugh, you know whatever but it's it's the audience and the and the and the and the um the subject that actually have the relationship beyond me, and that's the buzz. That's a that's such a buzz yeah. when you when you I and mean, then you see a picture and you get it about your own picture and you're like shit. I was there. That's my other favorite <laughs> thing is I was there because yeah. you know you forget like I'm, and again I'm a not I'm not I haven't got loads of celebrity friends. I don't hang out at parties. I'm a bit weird about you know, people anyway, and um, people assume that, you know, oh, you live in this, you've met all these thousands of famous people and that robs off, and it doesn't really rob off on you, because if you're, a, a, you know, if, you, if you're if you a person that loves people, well you see the person, you don't see the celebrity, so, you know, you're, you're just like, oh, that's that person, oh, I love him because he does that, or
0: I love that person, because it's the quirks and the... Yeah. And well, I can imagine that you're trying to scratch away the veneer of that yeah. person that's just turned 100%. up, because everyone's got their little n- not ego. It's a bit of a wrong word, but the barriers that we all put up. You're trying to get beneath that. And although I'm not a very spiritual person, I mm. do believe that there's that bit of energy that does emit from um, any artwork if you put that energy into it.
1: Yeah, and and also, I mean, this is such a this is such a good discussion because. I think that in a lot of ways, when you, when you make something, whether it's a, a portrait or a piece of art, you feel it when you're making yeah. it, you, you get it. And you, you get, but then you've done it. And then sometimes it, 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 it not gone to you, but it's, 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 it's there, but it's like, it's not as apparent as when you're making it yeah. or the minute you've just finished it. And, um, but then what other people do, and which I again, it's something I absolutely adore, is when people see a picture that's maybe in a different style by me, something that I haven't done before, and they go, I could tell that was you. And it happens a lot to me. A lot of people go, Oh yeah, I could just tell that was you. And I'm not because I'm not somebody that 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 you know, I don't really push us one way of doing stuff, or I like to really jump around. And people, but then people can still tell that I did it. It's a signature, I, yeah, yeah. And it's a weird, uh, um, a stylistic signature. It's an emotional signature, yeah. and I think that that I get really, I get really, really excited when people see it's recognise something that I've done when it's when it's not necessarily something that they would think it was my. And I, and I look back at my work and I can see those threads between you know, all of the things I've done that, and I, I, they're really obvious to me. Um, and then when other people point them out, I'm like, well, and then, and that's the bit where where we always, when, when your work mirrors how you feel and, um, and then someone mentions it to you and that's when I get dead excited. Planning for your next trip.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, saying about the emotional connection that you have with your work. When you see one of your sitters have an emotional connection with the work that you've just created. And where I'm going with this is the program that you created with a mutual friend of ours, Alison Lapper. Um, Nobody's Perfect. And I I watched it when it came out three, four, five years ago whenever it came out. Yeah. And oh man, it was really something special. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your uh, what's in oh. there, but it was a really special thing having these people that are so insecure with themselves and their bodies. And you just sort of highlighting their insecurity and saying like, you know, don't be, don't be ashamed of it. Fucking own it. You know, and it, it, was, yeah. it was beautiful and just to see some of their reactions at the end yeah it was it was quite an amazing thing
1: yeah and it's it is incredible you know to to get the opportunity to do things like that so again that's another another reason that I don't like to stick to just one style or just doing one approach because I've always thought of myself almost like a you know a conceptual photographer like I I don't mean it like I'm a conceptual art photographer. I mean more that I I use my brain more than I use technique when I take pictures, and I use so when I, even when I'm sort of connecting emotionally with someone, a lot of it is using my brain to connect with someone, as opposed to it being you know a lot of people just go oh, you you know I can I I trust a lot of my instincts because I think of my my upbringing, and and I and I trust my ability to kind of deconstruct or yeah or um you know um analyze s- s- situations. so you know whether it's i'm a phototherapist or i'm a photo analyst or whatever, whatever it is it's like work con- conceptual photography to me it's an emotional deconstruct construct you know yeah, so yeah. and that's intellectual like it's about you know being able to look at someone and do all that kind of weird stuff where you can just sum up and and i you know and i get things wrong but a lot of the time, especially when I'm taking a picture, I, I kind of feel the, the, the moment. And and it's a privilege to get to work on things, you know, yeah. like nobody's perfect because you step outside your comfort zone, but you're doing something that you know um, is going to work at being able to look, you know, look looking at somebody with an imperfection or what they regard as an imperfection through the lens of a photograph. And how a photograph can empower that person is extraordinary. Like That, that to me, is one of the most bizarre and exciting things yeah. that I've ever experienced as a photographer, where you can take a picture of someone, and, of course, you can talk about my ability to get the best out of them. But it's actually, weirdly, the photograph and the making of the photograph that gives them that power. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the bit where I... Get really kind of like super excited about photography, and the other thing is, is that you know a a, a lot of people talk about this. I've got a natural ability to 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 you know see who someone really is and get that out of them very quickly. But they forget that I I, I've done you know thirty years of this now, and yeah, it's taken thirty
0: years to hang that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's taken a long time, and it's like when I did Rankin Live which was a series of portraits of of anybody that wanted to be photographed um, in a gallery. Um, Brilliant. I was doing, you know, I was doing like 80 to 100 people a day. And I was really practicing my skill as a photographer. Like, you know, if that was a guitar, I'd be like George Harrison, you know. So (laughs) it was, it was like just constant, constant, constant practice. And I know there's that Malcolm Gladwell thing where, you know, if you do 10,000 hours, you get really good at something. Yeah. You become a, you know, a genius whatever. Um, and I think that I don't, I'm not, I'm not a lazy photographer. I'm not a, i am not I love taking pictures. And when you do it again and again, you just do get really good at certain parts of it. So I don't think, I think I'm naturally inquisitive and get excited about people. Um, but what I've watched cameras do with that, um, documentary. No body's perfect, but also at those ranking lives, I watch people who really didn't really like themselves, and they were being very brave to sit for me, and then they would cry with joy afterwards at how they felt about themselves. Brilliant. And that's an that's an incredible thing yeah, yeah. for a medium to be able to do. But what you have to realise is that on the opposite side of that, it also means that it can be used in a really bad way. So that's why I'm a big kind of advocate of discuss- discussing photography and the power of photography and the, the kind of scary bits, you know, about it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just something that's loaded with empathy, and empathy obviously is a, or appears to be quite a part of your work. Were well, you are saying that about ranking live? At the art car boot fair you've done similar there set up yeah. a stall and just allowed people to to come in and and just spend a, a couple of quid to have a a ranking portrait of themselves and you know it's it's one of those worlds that's far away for most people and occasionally once a year you know you, you give that opportunity to people it's yes yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing i'll see you at the last one actually um, did you? Yeah, I did, I did stop. I, I didn't say hello at the time. It was while all this was going on. But, um, yeah, you were so busy, barefoot, running around from, uh, yeah, from one camera <laughs> to another. So I down stop you. But, yeah, a wonderful thing at the Art Car Boot Fair as well. Thank you. There was a listener question. I was asked to ask you, photography is a medium that's moving fast. Come on, leaps and bounds in the last 10 years. Where do you think it can go in the next 10 years? That's a very good question
1: from whoever, whichever of your listeners posed it. I think that it's at a point where it really is, whether it's over video or film or still photography, it's at a point, it's at a kind of crossroads because it's really been used by everyone now, you know, in the, in the first world and in the third world it's not like it's 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 pretty much everywhere now photography in one way or another we've we've started to use it as a form of communication um that I don't think anybody would have ever assumed we'd have got to this point we take it for granted in a way which is extraordinary to me because obviously I love it so much um we abuse it in such a terrible way um for ourselves but also you know, with other people. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's, at a, it's at a crossroads because it, it could go so many different ways and it probably will go every single different way because it's really, it's really it's, you know, if you look at it from a bird's eye bird's, bird's view perspective, it's just completely become an integral part of every single person's life. Um, and we, we're all using it all the time, you know. Like you and I were going to be on video for this camera, and luckily, I persuaded you that I wouldn't do it. You know? So, <laughs> like, um, you know, just because I feel so much freer talking, you know, to a to a, a microphone. Um, but um, you know, the reality is is that it's 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 almost seeped into every aspect of life, so- society. Culture, you know, uh, relationship, everything, revolves around this weird medium that's that's now like it's integral to our life, and and we've not really had that analysis of it, you know, in the same way that maybe we would have had of radio or yeah. TV, you know, because it because we just it's like it's like that thing that you know that's. It's like a, a plant that was one thing that's, that's morphed into another thing. We got used to it in the back garden. We've, yeah. we, we love it. We've, we, we've enjoyed it for over, over 100, it's almost 200 years. So, you know, we, we think we know this because it, and it's because it's so easy to use. You know, like I always say to people, you know, whatever you do on your phone camera, I took four years to learn how to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's all at a touch of a button, you know, now. And everyone just takes that for granted. It's like four years, guys, Yeah, to learn how to do that stuff. You know, so to me, that is
0: extraordinary and in equal measure scary as hell. Yeah. We was talking earlier about the power emitted um, from the sit-up. Um, yeah. And a, a little story that I've got is the morning that I was released from prison, which was in 2001 in October, just before you left prison, the screw had to take a picture of you for for the prison yeah. records for probation, whatever. And it used to be a Polaroid and it was a four picture Polaroid. Um, he was there taking one of me. I was meant to be released at nine o'clock. This was now five past nine because he, he couldn't work the camera. It weren't going properly. You know, I was meant yeah. to be free, and I'm not. He took a photo of me, and I weren't trying to look like a villain. It was one of those with the numbers <laughs> underneath. I weren't trying to look tough, but I really, I was really pissed. You off. were bored, yeah. Yeah, and it didn't come out. The number and, and a letter of my name wasn't in in line where it should have been. Oh my so god! So he trotted off to go and get another cartridge or whatever you call it, yeah. and he threw this image in the bin. Well, you I picked it up that, yeah. I picked it up and put it in my pocket nice and then i've shot away so i've i had now got this image later on that day i've gone to university i'd yeah. already been attending for a couple of
1: years use, years you use as your card did you
0: I, yeah. I, I didn't not then i have got it on a bus pass though <laughs> when i went to bearing in mind this is only like two hours later
1: yeah yeah
0: um, yeah i've had to have my id photograph taken and now I'm in this different environment. No, so, me. Where I was. And, and frankly, so it was like it was ten years different. One photo was me. Made- being the most pissed off person in the world. Yeah. A couple of hours later is this other photograph. And I'm the, without that, the happiest person in that university, you know, and I'm standing with yeah. shoulders back, you know, chin up. and Nice. Quite pleased to be free, you know. But I think that's that's, what, that's interesting because for me, what the, I'll tell
1: you the bit where I re, it really hit me about how powerful photography is, was when I did this show called Alive in the Face of Death. And me and... Uh, Jack, who was the director of the documentary that was being made about it, we d- dealing with death, and it was my idea because I really had, couldn't deal with my parents passing away. And
0: yeah,
1: yeah. They, uh, the BBC, offered me a, a, a museum show, and I was like, "I'm doing death anyway." So we came up with this concept, which was to photograph terminal people with terminal illnesses.
0: Oh,
1: it was really amazing. Yeah. Anyway. But the bit where it really haunted me and touched me was when I was um interviewing this uh Auschwitz survivor called Lily Egbert I can never get her name right but I hope I did Um, and um she was absolutely extraordinary to me to photograph and to interview I was interviewing her in her home and which was It was beautiful with all of these photos on the wall. I mean, her her whole house was covered in photographs. And we started to talk about her family and her life post Auschwitz. And, you know, obviously we talked about what it was like to be in Auschwitz that close to death, et cetera, et cetera. And Jack, the director, she went to get a a glass of water with me. He said, ask her about the photos. And I went, yeah, and it hadn't occurred to me um, um, because I was so obsessed by her. And he he leant forward, said, ask her about the photographs. And I went, Lily, tell me about these photographs. And it clicked in my head. It went, click. They're all of her family since she came out of Auschwitz. And and all of the family that she'd left behind and had died in in um, in Auschwitz or w- whichever concentration camp they were given to, she had photographs of them. But the ones that were prominent were the ones of the people that had lived from her surviving. And I sudden that you know I suddenly got that rush of like, oh my god, these photographs mean yeah. so much more. And I think that's the thing. It's like photography has become almost the air we breathe now, you know, it's the, it's, we take it in, we consume it in this very, very, we kind of need it. We don't really understand it. And what we forget is these moments where it means so much because it's, it's basically stopping life. It's capturing it in a little time capsule. And whether you're taking a photograph that's, you know, a portrait or it's for a marketing campaign, or it's a fashion shoe, or whatever it is, we get consumed by this idea of it selling something to you or something you're trying to consume. And what you forget is actually it's a time capsule of memory. And, yeah. and that's and the power of that. And that's why almost probably why I got into photography was it was something I could understand because I was technically quite good at, at school of physics and stuff. But, but it allowed me, and that light bulb moment we went, we'll go back to at the beginning was, you know, I suddenly realised that I could show the world how I saw it and then that could be shown to other people. And that moment that I kind of felt and the emotional connection I had to that first image that I took that gave me that, I could share that with people yeah, and they could no, see I- it. And that's what the power of it is. And yeah. it's like now we just take that for granted, like it's like because it's so easy to do. We just don't even think of the 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 importance of what that is. And I think yeah, you're you becoming to, blind to an image, aren't you? Totally, when well there's so many of them. You're almost becoming numb to the 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 power of this stuff. And yeah. and 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 also the thing about photography is. It's a representation of reality. And it's, of course it's been able to be manipulated and shifted and changed in the past, but now a child can do those manipulations and changes. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the kind of, at the, cent, at the heart of it is this kind of representation of a moment in time, capsule, that's a realistic perspective or view of that as that person saw it can be shifted and changed and that kind of bends it in a really sort of disruptive but sort of almost kind of um it makes me feel uncomfortable yeah Yeah. and a disruptive but uncomfortable way and the other thing that i would say is the future is going to be where that visual imagery like where you you know you can make imagery and you can actually create like a a mixed reality or a virtual reality and that's where it's going and that's going to be even more difficult to understand so all this stuff that's happened in the last few years i mean this is just really the kind of the tip of the
0: iceberg what i've
1: been what i've been getting into has been um actually the weird weird thing is using technology to create what's called a volumetric capture which is like 170 cameras capturing a subject at once and then creating and creating an in real life sculpture. So what a 3d print or whatever you'd call it, but, but, but you can create these things and I want to make those in bronze because I want them to last for a thousand years, not like five, not like five seconds. So that's kind of where I'm going, but, but it's going to just get more and more scary. And of of course, it will give us more and more things to talk about people like you and me, but at the same time, people are just taking this stuff, they kind of want it but they don't even really they don't even analyze it's as what if they're not giving any
0: value to the images that they're taking isn't yeah, it yeah exactly it's there's just no a value. picture exactly
1: there's no value in it in any way shape or form but in doing that and taking it for granted and thinking it's it's so easy what they're not realizing is that they're not really um, assessing or or you know mag, you know putting under the magnifying glass yeah. what the impact it will have on humanity and human beings and sociability and you know everything that goes with that like it's a really 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 strange and quite dangerous place to be because nothing's discussed or debated and you know I, I find that very very unusual like I've been trying to get a documentary made called more real than real which is an analysis of photography in this way and people that people people aren't just just not interested they don't think people are interested in this stuff and and i'm a bit like well wait till it starts to really affect us all
0: yeah
1: i'm trying to connect the dots with it all i guess you know but um but um, and of course it's too big a subject you know and that's the other thing when it's so big a subject you can't really talk about you know the the you know why is the sky blue is always a, a funny question isn't it for me like People just accept it's blue. It's like, well, yeah, but there's reasons. For
0: that. Exactly. Exactly. You know,
1: there's like, it's, isn't it good to know? Are we? Are we? Have we gone po- past that period of wanting to understand the world that we're living in? We're just going to accept it for what it is, be- especially a man-made version of that. You know, yes. we don't. We don't even understand the, the non-man-made version. Never man- the, mind the man-made version.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We're talking about other people taking photographs producing artworks if there was you and five other photographers past and present <laughs> what would your ideal group show be oh wow that's so
1: hard uh bill Brandt would probably be one Um, uh, because i think he's so unrecognized as a photographer um I mean, I would I would probably just go for my I'm so sad, I would just go for my favourites. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, um, you know, my favorites that I think Erwin Blumenfeld and Bill Bryant are two of my absolute all-time favourites. Um, because I look at their work and we there's so many similarities between what I do and what they do, um, or how I look at the world and not how they look at the world, but their their approach is excites me. Um Phil Brown, Bloomfield. Um oh, it's hard. Uh they're all men, unfortunately. Averdon, probably, or Irving Penn between the two. Um, sorry I didn't read this question <laughs> I would have thought about it uh, probably okay I'm going to go Penn, Irving Penn I'm going to go Blumenfell, I'm going to go Bill Brandt and then I have to put um, a female photographer that I love, I would probably say um, there's an amazing woman that used to shoot for Harper's, um, Harper's Bazaar called Lillian and I can't remember her second, second name Um, And then I would also say probably Annie Leibovitz just because she just is perfect. like, she's just not really seen in the way she should be seen because she's just absolutely
0: was a god and is still a god in photography. Totally agree. And my last question is, if you wasn't an artist ranking, what do you think you'd like to be? Um, I think I, I think I would probably
1: not be around. Uh, I think I'd have just gone mad. Like, I think that my art has kind of saved me from this hedonistic, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just, I will, I, I, I I'm not really sure. I used to say I would have probably been a publisher, but I would have probably been some form of ducker and diver entrepreneur. but, <laughs> but Ending up in jail. <laughs> but you, never, you just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not... See, the weird thing is I'm not even that obsessive about money or, you know, sort of position or... Yeah. I don't really care about it. It's like once I found photography nothing else mattered and i always just reinvested in myself and you know but our entrepreneur you know i have got that part of me it's definitely a little streak inside of me and and i definitely like to like jefferson and i actually were laughing because we were talking about doing a masterclass, and we were like if we didn't do one in photography and and it edit you know being a, an editor and um, we we're uh, we probably both do it blagging Cause that's, that's all we did. That's all we did for ten years. So lagged away from one situation to another. But yeah, probably an entrepreneur of some description. But I would don't. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. I'd have been unfulfilled. I probably wouldn't have met the right woman. Yeah, you know all that stuff. But there's um, a lot
0: to be said. Ranking for the attitude of um just have a go and see what happens. Oh god, yeah, and I think the thing is, is that I, I especially these days,
1: it's like what the one good thing that has come out of the the smartphone and camera camera phone is, it is it's made photography accessible to all socio, you know, economical uh, people. You know, it's like it's not, you know, it was very much a middle class to upper class uh, thing that you know maybe sort of kind of became more accessible during the 60s but it's just so expensive you know um to do it and to do it as a career you've got to be really really especially back then you had to be really invested in it you know you had to give up a lot i had to give up so much to do it i had to work my ass off to to pay for everything back in the day and um now you can just pick up a camera and and kind of get a feel for it and, and start to get into it, and I think that that, although it might seem like a, a, a shit glass ceiling, I do think it was a glass ceiling that's been broken, and I think that's good because what you're seeing now is kids coming through, you know, from lots and lots of uh, sort of different backgrounds, and you know, that's that's exciting because it. I also really believe the more different perspectives you've got around a table, you know, that are making stuff, the better an understanding you have of it. So um, I'm excited by that, but it's also very, very, very dangerous at the same time.
0: I, I totally agree. I stood on one of the London bridges a couple of years ago, taking a photo with a, with a camera, not, not a, uh, an SLR or DSLR, just a little instant camera. Yeah. And uh, I took this photograph and there was a, a woman next to me. She went, oh, a real camera, how quaint. <laughs> <laughs> it shows how it's, sort of technology has moved on so far that that a yeah. camera seems to be old fashioned, you know. I kind of
1: get really sad when I hear something like yeah, that. Totally because, agree.
0: Totally agree.
1: Because I think I've never been a rose-tinted glasses type of person. Like I don't, yeah. I don't look at the past and go, you know, I wish we were back there. I kind of, you know, wish I was still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> as opposed to go back there i can't I, I really believe in you know moving forward and, and not holding on to all of those things in the past but but it is sad you know that people don't have that kind of i don't know that the glass ceiling kind of did work in another way because it did make everything a little bit more held. Uh, to to account and a little was a little bit more of a pedestal yeah you know about the art form so for the art form i'm I'm really sad because I think that um, you know it just it's just really taken for granted you know and um, and also young people are coming through now you have got a fight you know you've got so much competition it's quite
0: scary yeah yeah well Rankin right, that's all my questions asked um, amazing what have you got coming up um, at the moment,
1: I'm trying to like get this. Um, I've got all these captures that I've done with um, the, the volumetric capture um, studio. So I want to get those made into sculptures, which is Brilliant. just really exciting to, to be able to work in a medium that if you just said that to me, even t- 10, 12 years ago, I'd have said what you're talking about. But now it's, now it's um, becoming something that, I think actually could happen, you know, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I could do a proper sculpture show. Um, yeah. And they're not photos. They're these kind of photography They call it photoma- photogrammetry. Photogrammetry, photogrammetry, yeah. I get it wrong all the time. But they, that's what's exciting me uh, currently. But also, you know, just getting back to taking portraits. I, I, I miss it. It's my go-to. Right. And I did, I did a shoot the other day, and it was just like I was buzzing at the end of it um so taking
0: pictures (laughs) that's my that's my your foundations always your foundation isn't it yeah it doesn't matter matter where how high you build yourself your foundations are always the same aren't they you know
1: absolutely i go back there all the time good yeah
0: well next time i'm at the art car boot fair and you happen to be there i will come over and say hello that's for sure
1: definitely come come and say hi i'm i'm a i'd love to meet you you know properly face to face brilliant have your pitch taken
0: that's is, that is an ideal
1: thing to do alright
0: mate, cool well, Great thank you, speak you very much for your time I really do appreciate it no worries, cheers Bye. Bye. Da-da. well hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast so we wasn't dictated to by advertisers we decided from the offset to go ad free which means obviously we had to self fund so we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a link tree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening and until next week, Zadar.